Holy Gospel, according to St. John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said in that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask, as, ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Hear these words again from our epistle, James. The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Of all the lines that kind of float around in your head when you're a Lutheran pastor and you've read a lot of Martin Luther and his writings and his works, one of them sticks out is that he said, when you're teaching people the Bible, the catechism and hymns and prayers, you should not change the language around. They've learned one version of it. Don't come in and a few years later teach them another version of it. Well, he lived in an age when his was the only Bible widely available in German after he wrote it and had it published. I bet he could hardly imagine and hardly approve of the myriad of English translations that we have. To say nothing of the different hymnals and the different texts to hymns and prayers and all the like that he said not to do. And of course there is the catechism itself. I know a lot of you here were probably growing up here at Calvary or whatever church you grew up at, educated, catechized using the little blue 1943 catechism, published right in the middle of the war, and that one is wordy, right? Uses language that we don't use anymore, all that Jacobian with the shouldst and wouldst and couldst and reigneth and liveth and all of those words. And when we updated the language in 1986, when I was a year old, I think most of us agree it was a good thing. Finally, finally, we're learning the language of the faith and the language that we actually use. There's not many of you, I think, who went around in those years saying, you know, have a wonderful day,eth or whatever it would have been. No. Some changes were good in that update. And every once in a while, Luther's general principle, we recognize there, there can be good exceptions to it. You can change things, and it's for the better of the church. But other times, not so much. And with that catechism update that happened in the mid-80s, there was one change. There's a few changes a lot of us don't like, but one change in particular, which I think it is a shame, and that is a change in the fourth commandment. Specifically, the explanation, honor your father and your mother. Now, for what it's worth, we already know, if you've read the Bible, specifically Exodus, you'll know that the 
language of the Ten Commandments and the Catechism, whatever edition, is already kind of boiled down. They're just trying to get to the core of it and have it right there, especially the first three commandments. Because in the Bible, first three commandments is like this long. There's all these explanations to them. In the Catechism, it's very simple. Have no other gods. Don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay? So it's already been reduced. But for the 1986 Catechism, they wanted to do a little more for some strange reason. Not to the first table, but to the beginning of the second table, the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. What does this mean? We should fear and love God. Actually, I'm, I, I got that wrong. It's not even the explanation. Honor your father and your mother. That's the part that dropped the thing. How does it go on in the 43 Catechism? That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long in the land. I'm hearing a lot of people join me in saying that. We just cut that out 38 years ago, or whatever that is, 37 years ago. It's gone. Whatever other changes in the text that might have been an improvement, that wasn't. That certainly was not. I don't know why they did it, but they did it. Now, the fourth commandment, some people have called the first commandment of the second table of the law, right? There's a, if you've ever read the Ten Commandments and thought about them more than a minute, you can see that there's kind of a structure and a flow to them. You have the first three commandments. Obviously, you're establishing our relationship with God. And then the last seven establish our relationship with each other. Well, if you're going to teach people, fifth commandment, wrong to murder. Sixth commandment, wrong to commit adultery. Seventh commandment, wrong to steal. You have to have authority established first. And that is what the fourth commandment is about. The authority that begins in the home. You've got to listen to mom and dad. Not just listen to them, you've got to honor them. The authority that exists in society, in the church, and everywhere else in the world. You have to have the proper structure. You have to follow it. And things will work well that way. But the fourth commandment is more than just order and authority. The fourth commandment lays out there, right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, how important the union is, marriage, upon which everything else in society, every other institution is built on. The union from which life comes into this world, human life. Marriage is the first institution that God made in Eden. It's the foundational relationship for everything, and it's the relationship from which God told humanity to go forth, fill the earth, and subdue it. That is to say, God thought marriage was pretty important. A husband and a wife, a mother and a father. And so it follows, obviously, naturally, that God would command us to honor that estate, to honor the authority inside of marriage. And to reinforce that it's good for us to honor it, he said so clearly in the Ten Commandments in Exodus, it's not just a good idea, but you should do this so that all may go well with you and you may live long in the land. All of us know from whatever work we do, whatever sphere we occupy in life, that life is full of a lot of conditional statements, right? And statements that we never even question. We never think twice about it. We're just like, yeah, that's true, and move on, right? So if you live a life where you spend more than you make, and you don't have a lot saved up, eventually you're going to be in the red. You will be in debt. We get that. If you eat more calories than you burn, well, then you're going to start storing up calories for later to be burned. 
We understand these things on a common sense level. We get it. It's logical. It's an observable thing by cause and effect. And pick your own example and you can fill in the blanks with that. But it's no different with the commandments of God. God's will, his rules for us. Put it simply, if you disregard the Lord's word to you for how to live, his commandments, his will, well, don't expect good things to happen. Don't expect good things from him. Don't expect good effects from your actions. And if you have any doubt about that, read the Old Testament. Almost turn to a page, put your finger down, and read what's happening with Judah or Israel. But if you honor him, and honor his word, and keep his word, well, there are blessings. The natural effects, blessings of just doing something good and having the natural in creation, created order, cause and effect results. There's that. But there's also the blessings that he promises to pour out. If you do this and you honor me, I will bless you. I will prosper you. I want you to think about it. If you had two communities, two different towns, side by side, and let's pick on Let's pick on the Schroders. Love picking on the Schroders. So you have Tom and Paul say, that's it. Watsika's been nice, but we're going to go start our own towns. And they move to different parts of the county where there's no town, and they each start a different town. Paulville and Tomberg. In Tomberg, Tom is the mayor, and everybody looks to him for guidance and what whatever. He's even a pastor too. I ordain Tom. Tom's a pastor and he preaches on the fourth commandment. Honor your father and your mother and all that that entails. And it's a good town folk that live there in Tomberg. And they listen to him. Especially the young parents. They do an excellent job of listening to him. They teach their children to honor their parents and it's not just when the parents are there in front of them, but the kids do a really good job of it. They follow their parents' advice, they take it, they apply it to life, they grow up. And there's a community full of people like that. But then there's Paulville, a few miles away. Paul, also a preacher, gets up and he does his best. He tells people, honor, the, honor your father and your mother, the people are having none of it. They're not listening to him. They're not applying it to their lives. The kids couldn't care less. And they grow up that way, and the community stays that way. And here's the kicker. Nobody moves away to Chicago or Champaign to live, but they're all staying right there. The kids that honor their father and their mother in Tomberg, and the kids that don't honor their father and mother in Paulville. My question for you, if that actually happened in some form, realistic as it is or isn't, would those two communities be the same? Would they be equally good places to live? We know the answer to that. We know exactly how they would be different. We know in what ways we, they would be different. And we know which one we would want to live in and which one we would avoid like the plague. We all know that poorly behaved children, that is children that do not heed morality, their parents' rule or the rules of society, and well-behaved children on the other side, both of those have ripple effects for everything and everyone around them. And it's a natural thing. 
right? Put your hand on a stove and leave it there while it's hot, you're going to get burned. That's a natural effect. But what's more, on the other side, there is the divine effect. God promises to prosper whoever keeps his will and his law. And that would be the true, but just as true for Tom Berg and Paulville. Think about the close of the commandments in the catechism. He promises every grace and blessing for thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments. So if you want to look at it this way, to use like a common language, right, that we speak in, well, if someone disregards God's moral law for their life, and in their family they do it, they just don't care, don't apply it, and even act contrary to it, well, it's like they're in debt, concerning the natural consequences and the divine consequences, they're in debt and they are paying compound interest on that debt. But the person who applies the law lives according to God's will and purposes, they are receiving compound interest from the good natural effects that have it when they follow the law and from the blessing of God who pays out according to his good, generous, and gracious will. Now, I have an aside today. Like This one's gone on long enough. You can wrap it up. Well, the aside is this, that there's a worry a lot of my colleagues have that in Lutheran sermons, we don't want to emphasize the law too much, the commandments and rules of God, especially in our preaching, right? The center of Christianity is forgiveness of sins and justifying faith that all of us have in Jesus Christ. And some people say, well, focusing or talking extensively about anything other than that is just a distraction or it's leading people into legalism. And the example I remember from seminary they told us to help us avoid this ditch was there was a time in Germany, I don't know, like 300, 400 years ago or something that someone went to a church for a Sunday service and the preacher's sermon was to the people about how they could plant a better potato crop. Okay. Now, it's important for those of you who have a garden to plant good potatoes, asparagus, tomatoes, and the like. But it's certainly not why we come to church and neither should it be. And it's true, there are such a thing as bad sermons. I'm glad to see not all of you are nodding at the same time. There are bad sermons, and yes, the worst kind of a sermon is one in which Jesus Christ is absent or makes no effect on it whatsoever. But teaching God's law is holy and His perfect will for His people, well, that's a natural thing for a Christian to want. For us as people who belong to Jesus to want to hear. We know that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so naturally, in the knowledge of that redemption, we want to know. Well, how do I live? What do I do? How does my life work? That is to say, to apply it back to the fourth commandment, Christians don't try and keep the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, in order to be saved. But we do our best to keep it because we've been saved, because we've been forgiven, because we are part of Christ's family. And we seek, along with that, God's attendant blessings. So, Christians, honor your father and your mother. Particularly today, honor your mother. They are still with you in this life. 
Love them and care for them. Be good children to them. Obey them and respect them, and when they are right, submit to them. If they are no longer in this life, if they've gone on to glory, well, speak well of their memory to your children and grandchildren, to the people around you who knew them, and encourage young people who you know, family, friends, acquaintances, whatever, encourage them to honor their fathers and their mothers. God has blessed us abundantly with our daily bread, including the gifts of parents. And so, let us seek their good and our own in God's blessing by loving them and esteeming them so that we may live long in the land. Amen. Alleluia, Christ is risen.